Hello, everyone. It is Super Bowl week, and that means it's time for Splash Play to get back into action. we got some exciting things for you today. We're going to build our own Splash Play Super Bowl prop sheet. We'll talk about that, and we also got some details coming up on our big Super Bowl special this Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, and we got all the details you're going to need to know. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by my friend and yours, a man who is the, the manager, the director, the owner of Club Top Shot. He's Peter Overset. How are you doing, Pete? Doing good, man. Doing good. You know, time moves very fast in the top shot world. It's nice to get anchored back on the more familiar NFL schedule. I was lamenting not having Pro Bowl DFS to play yesterday. I legitimately enjoyed that last year. So I was I was very bummed out. It was uh, there was a gap in my life. It's been kind of quiet, and I think that's maybe something we could talk about in a second here with the Super Bowl because I I feel like there hasn't been much news, and really the the hype with the NFL account this week was all about the guys I think playing Madden amongst themselves to fill in the Pro Bowl, but not the most fun. But we've got lots to talk about, so make sure you guys hit that like button if you're not subscribed to the channel. Please do that now. Our subscriber numbers are coming up here, though. We've got a long ways to go to catch Pete on his own channel here, where there's a, a bursting wave of content every single day. But make sure you guys are subscribed on Apple Podcasts as well as you. YouTube. And again, follow at Splash Play Pod. We've got uh, some moving show schedules lately, uh, probably going to be even more moving during the offseason. So the best way to keep in touch with what we're doing on a given week is going to be on at Splash Play Pod on Twitter, especially, but also on Instagram. We will follow you guys back because we care that much to so make sure you are following those accounts. But Peter, I feel like we got one big, I don't know why I said Peter there. I feel like it was really it was <laughs> more of a Pete guy. Peter Daniel Overzet. We have a great show today. Is your middle name Daniel? It is. Oh, so is mine. Really? <laughs> I wow. think it's never come up. Daniel Bros. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Bros. That's like Eskimo Bros, but much more enlightened and, and farther advanced. But we got to talk about one big trade that came through this week. The football football world usually not too dominated by trades like the NBA, even MLB. But the Matthew Stafford trade coming through on a Saturday, going to the uh, going to the Rams for Jared Goff, along with first round picks in 2022, 2023, and a third round pick in 2021 for Stafford. And I'll say the first thing that I thought pete i'm shocked by the haul that we got here I, I like i can't not i'm not saying i know i'm saying we i'm not representing the rams but i'm shocked that we as football fans saw this big of a trade to me this is the kind of package you get for deshaun watson now i don't even know what deshaun watson goes for it seems to me like that's even more of an nba trade where you're given years and years of first round picks but what was your first thought when you saw this one come through i think pretty quickly out of left field yeah i mean my my first take is like it seems like a relatively fair trade in that it makes sense that the Rams do have a lot of the pieces to compete for a Super Bowl, and, and Matthew Stafford is definitely an upgrade, but also just gutting your roster, and are they truly like front-runner Super Bowl contenders to get rid of all those v super valuable picks? I'm not so sure. And then from the Lions, to me, it's just like, yes, I, I'm glad they're getting the picks you know, to theoretically rebuild, but they just seem firmly stuck in purgatory, I, I think I said on Twitter, it seems like they're constantly shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic where it's just like, yeah, they're doing stuff, but are they actually getting better in the long term? So I don't know. It was one of those trades that felt like a big blockbuster move, but I don't know if it's actually going to have massive long term impact. So here's where why I think it has the most impact. And this is something to me that I brought up a lot throughout the year. Jared Goff, uh, a quarterback who really the opposite of what we look for here on Splash Play, where we like guys who are throwing the deep ball, throwing a lot, throwing it with a lot of success. And uh, Stafford this year, actually, we, this is not a stat shaming or not, not any sort of guessing game, really. But Pete, if you had to guess, where does Matthew Stafford rank on throwing the deep ball amongst the, let's say, the qualified QBs? So guys who started and actually got some decent time. Wow. Are you sneaking in a game of numbers? <laughs> don't lie here. 
Yeah, it's, that's basically what it is. I wanted to to really Trojan horse it in for you because it's otherwise you wouldn't play anymore with the season over. <laughs> so, okay, get set me up on this prompt here. So if you had to guess out of the qualified QBs, I'm going to have to count this out yeah. loud. Where does Matthew Stafford rank in terms of deep ball QB rating? Deep ball QB rating. I, I, I don't think he's like elite, but I don't think he's bad. I'll say he's top 12. So the guys ahead of him in terms of players who've actually played some games this year, Kyler Murray ahead of him on deep balls. Drew Brees, kind of surprisingly, not a lot of volume there, but ahead of him on deep balls. And Daniel Jones ahead of him on deep balls. So you could also say Taysom Hill, uh, but you know I don't think he got enough time to really feel comfortable with it. But that's really it. It's just him, then it's Matthew Stafford. He threw 4.2 deep balls per game. These are throws of 20-plus yards. Accuracy level on it, not the best, 46%, but that's about what you'd expect. Deep balls are harder to connect on. But a 123.8 QB rating on those throws, and compare that to Goff. I'm going to go down to Goff here. Goff is substantially lower. I have him 76th overall in terms of QBs. Uh, he throws 2.9 deep balls per game, 35% accuracy, and a 72 QB rating rounded up. So I think that's one big thing here where we talked about the Rams maybe wanting some more mobility, just being able to spread the field and get guys open down, you know, downfield like a Van Jefferson maybe benefits a bit more. I think Robert Woods also can be less of a dink and dunk player, maybe more of a deep ball guy too. whatever they get in the offseason here. But to me, that's one big part of the game here where you're talking about stretching the field in a big way for a guy in Sean McVay who, you know, the way he schemes, like I think this is a crucial part of the trade and, and why, you know, Stafford, even if he's mediocre, is going to be better than Goff right away. Yeah, and it's interesting because when you do look at the personnel groups, you know, Gem City here talking which player gets the biggest boost, you know, a lot of the talent that they've, you know, acquired around golf has been for this more dink and dunk offense. Like I look at that offense, they don't have the lid lifter, you know, the stretch guy that can really get deep and maybe kind of maximize Matthew Stafford's skill set, pull some of the attention off of that. So I would be curious to see if they try to add someone like that, because that seems like really the only missing element of this offense uh, at this point. But yeah, I, I think it has to be good for, for all of these guys. I would say maybe Cooper Cup in uh, in particular, whereas we've seen, you know, Goff will rely on Woods for the really short, you know, outlet stuff. Uh, maybe Cooper Cup benefits more from Matthew Stafford's aggression and willing to push things into tighter windows and stuff like we've seen him do with Galladay. Yeah, I think that we're going to see with Cooper Cup, he's going to be, uh, this is a terrible comp, but really the highest level version of a Danny Amendola was in that Detroit offense. So we saw have some upside and, you know, even Marvin Jones really, I think had weeks at least where he looked like a star. I think whoever you put in there because of Stafford's willingness to force the ball into tight spots, uh, downfield and in the short range is going to have a lot more value. So to me, this offense, I think becomes instantly more appealing. The odds have also shown that too. Another way that he benefits or that this team will benefit under pressure was something we talked about a lot with Jared Goff on this show this year, a 40 six QB rating under pressure. Uh, he throws a pick 4% of the time. So that's more than league average. Um, he also takes sacks, actually doesn't take a ton of sacks for whatever reason, uh, but does generally stink at handling pressure. Stafford, on the other hand, takes sacks more than Goff 24% of the time when he's pressured, but a 92 QB rating and also only a 1% pick rate on these pressure situations. Like to me, this is an instant upgrade in all the stuff that we worry about here where, you know, in ideal conditions, Goff is going to have nice days, but in when it gets mucky, I think we saw that where they didn't want to play him down the stretch. And I think the hand injury was kind of of a convenient way out. I just think Stafford's, you know, a competent pro QB with still has, still has his big arm. I think really, you know, for him, I'm excited for Stafford. I feel like for him to actually have a shot at being competent and also going with a world-class defense, like these are all massive wins for Stafford. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree. He has to be pretty excited. He he had wanted out of there. I, I believe his wife had wanted out of the, you know, uh, communist socialist state of Michigan. So I think it's just a huge win for their whole family. Yeah, it should be a fun fantasy situation to track here. And and certainly Matthew Stafford, I would say, you know, in the mix. I know, I know Pete, you're already dabbling a little bit in best ball stuff uh, for the future. And I, I don't know if the top the, the top shot world has distracted you from that. But uh, if you were best ball drafting, do you think Stafford actually takes a meaningful jump up in terms of where you might be willing to take a QB? I think he moves up marginally, but I don't think... I think what we've seen now is there's a there's a big tier gap between these quarterbacks who can generate points with their legs. And these guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray and Watson, all of these guys really separate into a tier of their own. So I don't think Stafford jumps to that tier uh, purely on that, but I think he should settle similar to where Brady was going last year after he got traded to the Bucks, where it's like he's getting a weapons upgrade. Um, he can throw for a lot of touchdown passes, but you're getting very little by way uh, of the ground. Yeah, I think the Brady comp is actually a pretty good one too, where, you know, Tampa Bay's defense, not that great though. They do defend the run well, but I think what you'll, you'll see week to week with Stafford is he probably isn't going to have the massive upside because that Detroit defense has been so bad for years. You're really getting strafed by any team that goes against them. Those Rams defense is not going to be that. I think even if they lose a couple guys here, they're not going to lose Aaron Donald. They're not going to lose Jalen Ramsey, which are the two key parts there. I think for me, you know, Stafford probably has less week to week upside, but it won't shock me. I, I mean, one guy who I don't think the Rams have the cap room to make it work, but the guy we talked about a lot on here, Allen Robinson, you put him in that Rams offense. I think that's really like a guy like that, at least is really the one where you can have massive potential week to week for, I think that one receiver in particular. I wonder too. I, I mean, I just randomly said Brady, but I wonder if that has been kind of the roadmap the Rams are doing of like, can we do what the Bucks did capitalize on this good defense, good weapons, and then just get the last remaining piece, the most important piece, the quarterback in there and then make a run. So, and it, it does feel like the NFC in general is just a little bit more wide open for these teams to kind of swoop in in a short window and try to win a Super Bowl, you know, whereas the AFC now having to go through the chiefs and the bills and the Ravens for years to come seems more daunting. So I think it kind of makes sense if you see a window of opportunity to push in. And yeah, the more I talk it out with you, I, I think it's a pretty, pretty nice move there for the Rams to try to get a Super Bowl here. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. And I think another spot that I'm excited to see that we just talked about in the beginning here, but Deshaun Watson, um, I really think based on this trade hall where you're getting two first round draft picks, you're also getting a third rounder this year for Stafford. I, I think, you know, the Goff contract was bad enough. So that's certainly probably part of it. You're paying a bit of a tax just to get rid of Jared Goff. And I guess we could also talk about Jared Goff. I, I really don't, I don't have a lot to say about him. I think he's still got to grow a lot and be good. But Deshaun Watson, I, there, the odds have jumped a lot for Jacksonville. I saw this week to, uh, to not to not be making the first round pick. They jumped a lot for the Texans to be actually drafting Trevor Lawrence. And I think to me, that's the one spot where, like if you're going to make, let's say, three first round pick trades, like if you're a team at the bottom of, of the first round, you're probably not getting to Sean Watson now. But really, the only teams I think that can make a trade for Watson are probably Jacksonville, um, just based on this haul. Like you have to get first round picks and you have to get also have to get a really high one. So I don't know. I think that's there's a little bit of odds moving with that, Pete. And I don't know if that's something to actually worry about or, or to consider. But do you see Watson maybe being a Jaguar? Is there something brewing with that? I think probably in a quick turnaround time. Yeah, it's. It does, it does seem like that. I mean, if you were the Texans and you see what the Lions were able to get for Stafford, I mean, you already, you're almost to that point of number one pick or, or bust, you know, mm -hmm. or what to actually get proper value on him. You're still probably losing money. Like, 
I don't know, what would you rather have in a vacuum? I, obviously, it's team contextual and where you're at, but would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I mean, I, I think just the safety of knowing what Watson is and knowing that he's gotten good results even when they haven't helped him out with the offensive line, or at least they've tried to, but didn't do it in a meaningful way. I think you're just much safer for the future having Watson, even though like, I think we both like Trevor Lawrence a lot as much as we can, like a college guy. We'll probably dig a little bit deeper in the offseason to figure out our, our full stance there, but um, I would rather have Watson, I think. And if you're the, the Jaguars and you want, you know, the Khan family, who's uh, I think striving for relevance and they're, you know, one, one son's got AEW, the wrestling company on the TV, and they also have their premier league team. Like they have their fingers in a lot of things. And if you want to have you know, a cross continental star team, getting Deshaun Watson in there with, with Visca, of course, and DJ Chark and those guys, like that's a pretty potent team that I think probably right away gets some national TV spots. Yeah, I was just trying to think that through. I still don't even think with Watson they're, you know, that strong of a contender. I think they have a little bit of a ways to go. So I wonder if they still are maybe in the mode of like, let's really rebuild this team through Trevor Lawrence. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I think they definitely have some holes on defense they need to plug. Like if they had the Jags defense that they did a few years back when they were making their playoff run, then it's like, yeah, just add Deshaun Watson and you're off to the races. But they still feel like they have some more pieces, at least defensively, to be a, a Super Bowl threat. Yeah, and that's one to watch. I think, you know, it may be a bit of a stretch for the Jaguars, but if you're Urban Meyer, I think you're coming in, you know, hoping to have the the run of the castle and also to have your set up yourself the best chance to to win and to look like a super genius coming in. And if you're gonna do that, like I like Trevor Lawrence, I think he's a fine player. You can build him up over the course of a couple of years. Maybe he comes in and does start hard or start hot. But I think if you want to be Urban Meyer and be the big dog there coming in and, and having Deshaun Watson as your big acquisition, uh, the defense is gonna suck, but you're gonna be in every game just because Watson can easily put up four touchdowns throwing and one touchdown running every time you ask him to that is the uh the interesting thing too with the urban meyer of like is he coming in with this rebuilding mindset he wants to have his stamp on everything it's probably a lot easier to put your stamp on an offense and you know mold trevor lawrence you know than it is to you know direct deshaun watson just from where they are at their point in their career so it'll be curious to know what would be more attractive to him my guess is with how brutal the NFL news cycle is and what have you done for me lately, he'd probably just rather hit the ground running with Deshaun Watson and, and, and you know, extend the goodwill of the fans uh, right away. Especially with how he's been too, where I don't, you know, I'm not the biggest college fan, but I know from following Urban casually, he's been a bit of a front runner in his career who does tend to tuck tail a little bit when things are going south, whether it be, you know, sort of accusations about his coaching staff or whatever, or, or his, his health issues, which are, are real, but certainly maybe uh, got him his way out of Florida initially. I think that there are some questions about that. And I think if you're Urban Meyer, I think you want to come in and look like a genius right away and not have that, that nickel and diming that happened with Nick Saban, the same thing with Spurrier, a lot of these college coaches come in and they immediately, if you have a crap team you're taking over uh, I think there does become a bit of a, a pull on that so wouldn't surprise me if that happens but definitely one to watch here and one we'll talk about as soon as there's news but uh, we'll see how it goes with the Jaguars and with Deshaun Watson and the, the 700 draft picks he's going to be worth We've got some coaching news which is Pete's favorite thing to talk about and I know Pete you've long been a David Cully fan going to the Texans here um, he is he is our first I think black coaching hire of this offseason so he's got that going for him though if you looked at his photos you might not be able to tell so that's the classic Texans move there and uh, the thing Pete that uh, David Cully's coming from actually here's I don't think you have the segment sheet that up. Was, that was our, uh, our our point in the show where Spags, you know, gets us dangerously <laughs> close to being canceled. It's Black History Month. I mean, <laughs> David Coley is not black enough for Spags. <laughs> I, 
I would like you yeah, look. Okay, you know what? That might be unfair. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> else can can pull this clip. Thankfully, it's only our friends here. Our, our splash play viewers are never going to rat us out. I think that's the way it goes. But David Cully hired and and Pete, you you don't know anything about David Cully besides what I just gave you here, no. questioning his pigmentation. Um, if you had to guess, let's say what's the one coaching job here, and and, and I'll even give you a hint. It's either a passing game or a running game uh, head coach or, or coordinator rather who's doing that. If you had to pick the worst possible team to hire a passing game coach or a running game coach from, and then hire him as your head coach, what team would you think David Culley would be from? Okay. Um, geez. Running, passing game. Sorry. Is he the passing game coach or the running game coach? He, so he's a, I'll give you, he's a passing game coach. Okay. I was trying to keep it vague where you wouldn't immediately get it, but you might, you might get it when I tell you that he is a passing game coach for a team that let's just say not known for spectacular passing. Okay, I don't I don't think he's the Seahawks because I would have remembered him on the Seahawks. Um who who had very bad pass offense? I don't know. Was he was he on Washington? He was in fact the Baltimore Ravens pass. Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> so he is coming from managing that group that somehow underperformed even to the worst possible uh, speculation about Lamar and, and his abilities. And yeah, that's the guy that they hired. I, I don't get it. I don't get what they're doing over there. And um, I guess that's what happens when you have a, a chaplain from the team running everything now football wise. But yeah, he's the pass game coordinator from the Ravens finally getting that call up. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, he is not going to have um, Lamar <laughs> at his disposal anymore. No, he. hopefully he'll have somebody viable, but it will not likely be Deshaun Watson, barring some other magic here. And then the other hire this week that um, I think we just need to talk about faster because we're a completionist show more than anything, um, including the the takes here that, uh, yes, man, yes, man. I, I It's always, I, in my mind, I want to say yes, man, but it's yes, man, I think, going for a little bit of a, Pittsburgh approach there, maybe. Um, but he's saying that I'm trying to get hired by ESPN with my racial takes. I don't know that that's fair, but I would do a podcast with Jamel Hill in a heartbeat. I feel like we could really get to the, the core of a lot have of issues. I, have there. I told you uh, I am I am blocked by Jamil Hill from a conversation I had with her when I first got on Twitter back in like 2010. We were arguing about Kobe Bryant versus LeBron James, and I di I didn't say anything bad at all. I was just like I was like this is a bad take. LeBron is better or something like literally just something like that, and I got blocked for it. So to this day, I cannot see Jamil Hill uh, tweets. So fun fact, oh, you're missing out on so much <laughs> so much I great content. I'm blocked by people like Jamil Hill and Chris Randone uh, are the people who have me blocked. I have some random people who've blocked me through because of just working at Barstool I've never engaged with, don't know. And I feel like that's always funny to me. But Jamel Hill, I, 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 I enjoy her presence. I feel like she's had maybe a bad run of things, but, but I guess her blocking you, like she knew right away, you were trouble. She knew you, <laughs> she saw that, that pristine white face. She saw your, the thinness of your lips and knew this was that, the early days of Twitter, like were just the absolute wild, wild West. I, I mean, I re Hillary Duff responded to me on Twitter back in the old days. Like anything was fair game back then. Yeah, that's, uh, man, that, that's a fun one. That's a badge of honor, I feel like, for the audience here. Not a lot of Jamel Hill fans here. She definitely has not ingratiated herself to the internet populace in general, but you know, more power to her. She see, keeps getting gigs, keep, keeps making it work for her, so can never hate on that. But the Eagles hired Nick Sirianni, the Colts offensive coordinator, and there was a clip of him that went viral. We don't need to show it again, uh, but him stuttering his way through his first press conference. And I think it's tough, and I think this is something we could actually talk about a little bit, where um, with these coaches being hired, I think if you're a coach coming in, 
in. You know, you don't want to make that Adam Gase impression where he also stuttered, stammered his way through a press conference and, and it looked like a lunatic. I think that was a little bit of a tough hole to dig out of initially for him. But, you know, for Nick Sirianni, I think coming in, it's like you basically want a guy who's not just a coach, but like a CEO where if you had, if you had GameStop CEO coming on, he's just stammering his way through. You might not be pumping and dumping his stock. Like everybody has over the last week. And I feel like that's sort of the one part of coaching where you want a guy who's got that charisma. You ideally want a Sean McVay, but if they don't have it, like you could easily have these awkward genius types coming in. And I wouldn't judge them off of one press conference where admittedly about as bad as it could be. Yeah. It's always funny with that stuff because there is a certain element of, public speaking that is necessary to being a head coach. I mean, literally even just speaking to your team and being able to articulate ideas and rally the troops and communicate clearly. Um, so it's hard to know if, if that's actually an issue for him or if he just got really nervous and started stumbling over his words in this, in this press conference. But yeah, it was, it looked like one of those things where I remember, you know, if you've ever done like performing things, and you hear people say like, I blacked out up there. Like, I don't even remember what I said. It seemed like he just kind of blacked out. It was just like the lights were just too much. Uh, I I felt sympathetic for him up there. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's your first job. Offensive coordinators never really get to talk to the media, so he doesn't have those reps there. Um, you know, especially his other coaching jobs, even before being an OC, being a QB coach guy, like he's not really getting that camera time. And you got to build up that callus a little bit and be willing to, to fail. And he failed big. And I guess the one thing we could talk about with him, uh, he's coming over from the Colts as offensive coordinator. There are rumors the Colts maybe even in the market for Carson Wentz to fill their their now vacancy with Philip Rivers retiring. But I feel like Sirianni, I, another hire here. I know we we don't know enough about these guys really to feel confident. But I think the one thing with Sirianni, I don't know if I buy into him as much saving Carson Wentz if they decide to keep him. But I do think with Miles Sanders, like he's a guy I'd give an immediate bump to because I think with Sanders, you might see him getting a combined role here of the Jonathan Taylor of the um, Naheem Hines as well, getting the pass game work and getting a good amount of volume. I think he's the one guy I'd give an immediate jump to. I know you're you're a Nick Sirianni stand. You have been for years, Pete. So how do you feel <laughs> who benefits the most from him going to the Eagles? I just realized the only reason you like him is because of this, you know, absolute Italian last name. Spags is over there envisioning a Sirianni coaching Ben DiNucci and just fulfilling all of his wildest dreams. Yeah, he needs to get a, a Mario type at QB would be the move here to complete it all. But I think there's, you know, hope here for him as a hire. And I think uh, fantasy wise to me, I just think I would bump Miles Sanders based on what um, I'm thinking here of how this goes, because this offensive coordinator role for the Colts was one that was heavily reliant on getting the the running backs and <laughs> succeeding. I'm just laughing because I was I was Googling him and um, like some of these articles about him are just absolutely savage here. Uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the, the first line is Nick Sirianni is the Eagles newest puppet across between <laughs> Barney Fife and Pinocchio. Oh my wow. God. That's God. Do you, I mean, Philly media, New York media, like for a guy to stammer his way through a press conference, like those are really, the, I mean, New England too, like those three yeah. are the ones you don't want to be a head coach stammering through your first press conference. Yeah. I mean, they, they will hang you out to dry for that. Poor Nick. Well, here, here's helping, here's hoping a fellow Paisan finally gets a break here and uh, enjoys the, the many, actually lots of good Italian food in Philly. That's one thing I know. So me and Nick Sirianni, feel free to hit me up, Nick, if you need some guidance on, on how to get the most of your guys. Just solely look at that fantasy points. That's the one thing coaches haven't figured out is just fantasy production per minute. That's all that matters. There you go. 
Um, Super Bowl takes. Let's get into that. And guys, hit that like button if you're here. We appreciate all of you watching live, everybody watching after the fact too. And on Friday, make sure you're watching this big show here. We're going to leave it on the line here Friday night, get uh, some of our favorite guests from this year, some of Pete's face, some of my faves in the mix here for one big smorgasbord of uh, smorgasbord. Is, yeah, that's, that's the word, right? Smorgasbord <laughs> things of, of uh, content people here breaking down the Super Bowl, building some lineups, talking about our prop bet sheet that we're going to build here in just a few short minutes. But any new takes here? I feel like it's been quiet news-wise for the Super Bowl. The only things that I saw were Sammy Watkins, Legereus Sneed, questionable for Kansas City. Um, Sneed, I, I think, closer to getting in, but it seems like both guys should be in with the amount of time they've had to rest. But Pete, anything you've seen at all that jumps out to you, whether it be actual news about players or just a piece of content that about the Super Bowl that was particularly noteworthy? No, this this year is weird. Uh, as far as you know, normally we have the big media row. Everyone's pumping out all the various storylines, and it just you know, as me, just a you know a, a top shot guy who occasionally dabbles in the NFL, it uh, just seems like the dominating storyline is whoa, Tom Brady, he's back in the Super Bowl. This is so crazy. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen any like really fun narratives emerge. Have I missed anything? I genuinely have barely seen any headlines about the Super Bowl this week, which is odd because I think you're right. Like that probably is a media row trickle down thing of just not having those little personal quirk stories come out, not having anything. I've seen a lot about TB12 and the TB12 method. There's yeah. a guy that I used to know at Barstool who did some stuff. I um, was now like a front of house guy. He was previously like an ad manager and he's been doing the TB12 method because he's a Bucks fan um, since the beginning of the playoffs. And I've now seen five different concept people doing the TB12 method to do that. That's the one like layup bit there is of yeah. just doing his his weird esoteric diet which is really just fundamentally a diet um <laughs> besides that like i don't know what other angles there are like mahomes we had all the big stories last year it's just it does feel like kind of a, a limp super bowl given the fact this is one like this is what we wanted we want a high scoring shootout super bowl with star qbs and we're getting that and then there's nobody talking about it yeah, the only other, I was just looking in my RSS feeds, which I normally pay closer attention to during the football season. The latest one was Tom Brady could play beyond 2021. Brady <laughs> suggested Monday that he could continue playing in the NFL after his current contract expires. So if you ever wanted to promote the TB12 method, just continually playing football for the rest of your life would probably be the best marketing uh, vehicle possible for it. Yeah, so TB12, despite being basically snake oil that also just gives you a diet plan, uh, seems like it's working well for people out there doing it for content. So enjoy that and enjoy whatever. I'm sure some awful shit related things. <laughs> we don't often get to talk about shit on the show, Pete, but I feel like uh, while we're on the topic real fast, um, you, have you ever eaten tricks? So here's a question for you. Have you ever the eaten cereal? Tricks? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, not, not prostitutes. <laughs> Have you ever turned tricks? Yes. Uh, so tricks, one fun fact about tricks, and I there's a place nearby in LA that um, does a tricks milkshake, which is really good, or a tricks smoothie, I think they call it because it got it has ice in it. But um I'm I'm shitting green right now, <laughs> like Oscar the Grouch for the morning because I had this tricks milkshake. And it's I been throwing gone, me off. I could have gone without that segment. You but you know what? We <laughs> Now you know. Now you know. And I feel like the live chat, the live chats, if there's one thing I know, live chats appreciate shit humor more than anything. Yeah. I, you know, when you put on the uh, the spreadsheet, you were like, I'll <laughs> improvise this part. I didn't really know what that means. And, and now I know. 
<laughs> Willis saying tricks are for kids. Paul, have you ever turned tricks? Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> of trick related things you got to say when you're filling a, a show here. But it's time. Let's get to the prop bet. Now that I've now that I've gotten this this really confession more than anything out of my my orbit. Uh, Pete, give the people what your premise was here, and I think we're gonna we're basically gonna do an on show meeting here. We're gonna pick our prop bets. If you have any prop bets you particularly like, feel free to drop them in the chat. We're gonna talk about them as we go. Um, but what did you want to do with these? And then we'll sort of meet in the middle ground. Also, let's. Uh, I will say we do have a piece of breaking news here from Schefter. Um, first COVID issues at the Super Bowl. Chiefs have placed center Daniel Kilgore and wide receiver Demarcus Robinson on the reserve COVID nineteen due to a close contact per source. So, Ooh. Uh, I guess they'll have to see if they have uh, contracted it themselves. Um, but that would definitely be pretty big news, um, especially if it ends up spreading across the offense. So. We will have to see how that plays out. That is the worst possible scenario where they get through most of the year and then you have basically, you know, second tier players or not even you know, not even second tier, but guys who are in the mix but aren't the stars leading to the stars not playing would be a very funny outcome for the Super Bowl. But uh. yeah. So anyways, this is my premise for I want to do a splash play prop bet sheet. And there's a lot of these that'll go around, you know, for the Super Bowl. But I feel like we should set it up obviously in the format for a ride or die. So my thought is that, and we want you guys to help us out with some of these is come up with a chunk of one pointers, a chunk of three pointers and a chunk of 10 pointers. And I'm not just talking about what Spags has been doing all day today. <laughs> okay. And everyone will have, um, they can spend uh, or make 10 total picks. So say we end up having 30 total prompts, you can only use 10, and then you're just trying to maximize who gets the most amount of points. So if you wanted to use your 10 on all the 10 pointers, try to get 100 points, win it all you could, but obviously it's going to be harder to nail all of the 10 pointers. So people are going to have to gauge their own risk tolerance if they want to do the little bunny layups like Spags or Bomb from Deep like Pete, they will have that choice. But this brainstorming session is going to be to come up with some of those one, three, and 10 pointers that will be on the official splash play prop bet sheet. So do you think that that's the way that, like, do you want to have a slew of them? Because A, that means more work for us. And and glad Willis is in the chat too, because we have to do a lot, then Willis will be uh, firmly in play as our, our accountant here on splash play. Um, but, or do you want to do like, cause here's the thing that I think makes it easier, especially if we're going to have a show on Friday where we have like, let's say five people on besides us or five people, including us even. Um, like, I feel like it's easier than if we have like just a set, like let's say nine props and then there were three you know three ten pointers three three pointers three one pointers and they just pick from that like i feel like treating it like a q a is going to be more efficient but um that's just my thought though from uh, you know from a show standpoint the reason i think there's there's it's funner from like a game theory perspective with those where like if one of them if everyone's picking the same one it's almost like a gpp where it's like you're not going to be able to get a good advantage on the field and then people can decide how risky they want to be how contrarian they want to be so i think it'd be fun to just have you know 20 to 30 and they can be simple ones it could literally just be Miko hardman over under 43 yards or whatever and then people can decide um or what we could do spags if we wanted to make it easier you could have like a prop. You could have the Meikle Hardman prop, and there is a one-point version, a three-point version, and a 10-point version of the same prop. So if it was like, we're going to set Meikle Hardman at over 43 receiving yards, the one-pointer is you pick over-under. You know, a three-pointer would be over, you know, 80 yards 
and then the 10 pointer or whatever, you know, we could have it scaled on an individual prop would be another way to do it. What if we just did 10 total and then you have to pick five? Like, and then you could, and then, and you still sign your point value. Cause I like, yeah. I think the thing for me is just making sure we can actually get the picks in and with everybody on a show on time. And I think, you know, maybe picking like a smattering of it. Like I get the one to do 20 or 30. I just feel like that's how do we even go through that on a show? Well, the whole thing is going to be, people are going to submit their prop bet sheet. So they'll send us, um, I mean, we, I would probably, I think we'd probably do it in like a Google sheet or we could set it up as a Google form that people submit. I just think it's funner to have more options because if it's, if it's only 10, that means like everyone is going to mostly be overlapping in their picks. Hmm. All right. Well, let's see what the chat thinks. Do we have any, any feedback from anybody in here? Because I, I want to make sure, cause like, I think we maybe get enough people from our audience to, uh, to get on, you know, to get on the stuff. But I feel like on a live show, if we're going to have guests doing it, like then if we're gonna have 20 or 30 things, like that feels a little too elaborate for having guests also doing it. Yeah, well, the get so for the guests, I think we will just send them the prop bet sheet um, in advance of the show and just be like, "Hey, fill fill this out." Um, and okay. it on it is once we get the props on there, even if it's thirty, like you'll be able to fill it out in five minutes if you want, or if you want to do more research, really get into the weeds, figure out what your true odds are, you can make more of a meal of it. So I, I think it, it's good to have a decent amount of options. Okay, so so here's the question too. Do we want to do the stupid props like Super Bowl Gatorade color? This is one prop that you know, Odd Shark now, this is something that I learned today. They have a girl who's like in a Twitch stream setup who does short form videos for them, breaking down these very stupid prop bets with like YouTube SEO. And that uh this, this is a link that I'm looking at. And then anyway, just a total tangent here, but terrible content. Just absolutely terrible content on the Odd Shark <laughs> YouTube channel. Uh, but they do have the prop for the Gatorade here, and the Gatorade one is like orange plus 160, red plus 200 lime slash green slash yellow plus 275 clear plus 700 blue plus 800 and purple plus 1100 like do we care enough for this to get it in there see that's to me the perfect example of if you do a scaled one where it's like um so purple was the longest odds right so that would be the 10 pointer if you want to take purple and if you want to take what are what are the two like are there any that are close to even yeah. So yeah, the other ones, the ones that are close to even are orange is apparently pretty close to even. And then clear or clear being plus 700 seems like a nice value, but, um, so you could do like orange is a one pointer, the rest as, you know, a three pointer and then purple as a 10 pointer. Like we could do that kind of structure to some of these, these silly ones and just using the Vegas odds to just bucket them into one pointer, three pointer, a 10. Hmm. Do we have the? Here's the other question we have to ask ourselves: This show, do we have the wherewithal to do that within the next four days? <laughs> Willis, I know you're out there. Willis, does anyone want to help us with pulling this together and uh, and getting these organized? I I have the vision of it in my head. It's just how this the new idea was having scaled on a similar prop, or we just come up with. 20 props and based on how unlikely they are, we assign them into the one point bucket, three point bucket or 10 point bucket. Okay. Yeah. I think to me, the less guesswork is possible, like in my mind. And I think when we initially talked about it, I was envisioning like, Oh, you have like a printout and then people can have it. I guess nobody's having for the, you shouldn't be having a super bowl party. If you are having one uh, more power to you, hopefully everybody's tested and quarantining and doing all that. Um, but yeah, like to me, that was what I was envisioning it as initially. So I think, I would say like, I think we should just give the grades for the points for ones like this. Like, like there shouldn't be anybody getting 10 points on the Gatorade color is how I feel. 
I mean, Vegas says it's a long odds. <laughs> plus 1,100, that's a 10-pointer. Apparently, everybody hates purple Gatorade. <laughs> yeah, what, this is what this is what we should do. After the show, let's put out a tweet, and let's say um, Splash Play's putting together our prop bet sheet. Send us in your you know, favorite creative props for the Super Bowl. You know, you and me can mix in some of the regular yardage ones, but then we'll have some fun ones. And then we will just go in and we will, I will work on this in the spreadsheet. We'll bucket them. I'll work with Willis. We'll all collaborate on it. I, it'll come together. I have a vision for it. Okay. It's, and honestly, there definitely are enough easy props here. Like I'm looking at Osmo's uh, site here where they, it's Odd Shopper is a site. I'm not giving them a full plug here, but um, if you want to check it out, it's a good way to shop for rates if you have legalized betting in your state. And yeah, I mean, they have receptions props for tw- like 10 different guys. They have receiving yards props for, at least 10 different guys. So, um, so there's enough I, here to make a lot if you want to do. And this is the other thing. If we, if I do it in, in Google sheets and you know, you have your 10 picks or whatever, we can have the cells, you know, automatically update and show you your total amount of possible points based on the ones you pick. We could have people download or copy that Google sheet. They fill in their own and then they just send it back to us and we could add them as tabs, just literally copy and paste and have everyone's, in there might be a way to do it okay so so let's yeah let's let's try it we'll we'll ask people if you guys have any uh fun props that you find to be noteworthy here the ones uh the coin flip one this may shock you pete the coin flip one minus 105 on both sides minus 105 so heads is a 10 pointer tails is a two pointer (laughs) yes exactly heads tails never fails that's the main thing so that's got to be a one pointer um yeah i i don't even know what fun props there are like i feel like we should have an mvp one i think is important we should have um i guess gatorade and then i think it's just a shitload of reception and player and yardage props yeah the mvp would be a good one too because it could be you know if you guess correctly the mvp um we could just have the pool there uh, based on them, because I assume what Brady and Mahomes are going to be far ahead of of everybody else. Yeah, I'm trying to see where I don't think they have an MVP winner. On Ooh, I like this one by Eric. Need a splash play, Brandon Pop prop, 50 yard TD, 75 yard TD, 90 yard TD. That would be good. Is that uh, that's is that like an actual prop though that we have? Because or would we be setting our own line? I think we'd probably for that one be setting our own line. Okay, that's. Yeah. All right. So I, I, we got the gist here. I, I feel like I, I would say let's try to cap it at 20. I think yeah. seems like the max, but getting to 20 here, the core players, I think also getting a couple of the assholes in would be fun too, for like some of the props where I'm like, how many receptions is, uh, let's see. The other is Scott Miller going to have is instead of Scotty on this side. <laughs> <laughs> the other way to do it, Spags, if this is what you were saying too, is if we do, if we had just 10, but they're more like open-ended, like which player would will score a 50-yard TD or which players most, and then you list your your name and then you get points for that. Like if you pick Meikle Hardman, you probably get 10 points. If you pick Tyree Kill, you get three points. Like So there are two different ways we could do it, choosing from a, a overall grouping of props or just having 10 questions and there's multiple choices for each of those 10 questions. Okay. All right. I think we're close here. So as long as we're all aware that we have to You do wanted this now. the brainstorming on the show, Spags. No, I just like I for me, I always err on the side of keeping it simple for the sake of just like I, I know how lazy people are, both people who we're gonna have on as guests and actual people um in the audience. Yeah. But um 
but I, I think less options is what I would generally say, or not less options, but like less questions. And if you're expecting people to put in a lot, yeah. I think it's always the best move. Um, I, we also have some experience doing this because like during earlier in quarantine for Osmo, we did the, uh, the NBA 2K and the Madden streams and we actually had to make a prop sheet each day. And like what we found early on was that people are very dumb. I think. Well, <laughs> here's the thing, Spags. Uh, our audience, the Splash Play audience is not very dumb and they <laughs> love the uh, one, three and 10 pointers and they want to be part of the ride or die that they've watched all season long. And now it is our chance to let them ride or die with us. All right, so we're going to to get here's Willis saying, will Top Shot be mentioned during the Super Bowl as a prop? And that's the thing is like we could also do props like that, which I think are kind of funny too, um, and more germane to us. So I, I guess let's we'll let's get an email or an email or text or DM thread or whatever with Willis and we'll figure out what our, our approach here is. And then let's set a goal here. We're gonna have the prop sheet out by Thursday morning at the latest. Yeah, and we're also we'll come up with a prize. We will come okay. up with the prize. Like a uh, like a gag prize or an <laughs> I will buy someone a top shot pack. Your, your best top shot card. Your <laughs> no, we're not doing that. No, 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 no. Uh, but well, yeah, we'll we'll figure out these final parts here. I think we're close enough to the same page. So watch the at splash play pod handles. Of course, we'll retweet it from our handles too. But that's going to be the best way to get it. And then we'll have some sort of giveaway. So if you're listening uh, either live, watching live, or listening after the fact, uh, check the handle here as Thursday morning West Coast time. We'll say, and we'll have some sort of prop sheet up by that point and uh, i think that's it i think that's our meeting is now concluded so anything else you want to hit on and then we can uh we can go focus on we're both gonna be focusing on nba now Pete, because you got your top shot and i gotta actually prep for a slate yeah man i was watching the nuggets play uh yesterday watching Jokic, you know go nuclear so yeah i'm an i'm an nba guy now but yeah we'll put out let's put out the tweet because i already saw a lot of good suggestions in here for some creative props so we'll get the creative juices flowing you guys reply with some of your ideas and then we will take those and we will shape them into a coherent easily digestible contest yeah, so some stuff coming up here this week. We'll be back Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time for a little happy hour-ish show where we're going to do all the Super Bowl content. We're going to build a lineup. We're going to do this sheet with some of our favorite guests, all that fun stuff. Pete, what are the plugs here for you coming up uh, besides Club Top Shot, which apparently popping off? I saw you even had your club shirt on, which I, I appreciated the commitment to the bit. Yeah, you know, it's it's no money time hat, but we're we're trying what is what is it this working day world? <laughs> um what am I getting? I'm gonna be I'm gonna do a couple showdown shows with Joe Holka uh later this week, uh Friday on his channel, and then I think we'll do one on Sunday on my channel, and then we're gonna do a special tilt space on Thursday, I believe, kind of a year-end wrap-up, how our season went, stuff like that. So yeah, those are the the football things to keep an eye out for. Oh, speaking of tilt space, by the way, I had a hundred k sweat the other day in NBA. What? I ended up finishing sixth, but it was it was fucking harrowing. It was really it was all came down to Rudy Gobert, who was in foul trouble, and then the Mavs were getting blown out on the other side. But yeah, we finished finished sixth in the the hundred k up top on wow. DK. I was, I was thinking about you. I was like, oh, this is a classic tilt space moment. Where congrats? How much how much did uh, six ship for? Fucking thirty five hundred. So it fell off real fast. <laughs> Was that, was, was that DraftKings or FanDuel you said? Uh, DraftKings. I, okay. I don't play FanDuel. Unless they sponsor us, I don't play FanDuel. <laughs> well, congrats. I mean, uh, as we always say, shots on goal, man. If you're, you're top 10, now you, you're, you're there. Yeah. 
the randomness is what what always gets you and Rudy Gobert as random as it can get. But uh, I'm enjoying NBA. Pete's enjoying NBA. So make sure you're watching our various NBA content. I've got Osmo streams all week. I've got a Super Bowl live before lock show, I guess, on Sunday. I don't even know what I'm doing, but watch all that content and we will circle back with you guys. Check the, the account now because I think we're going to put the tweet out the second we get off the air looking for some prop bet thoughts. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. We'll see you guys again soon.